can truly, surely, woo a sigh of relief that 2022 is in the rear view mirror. There was the untimely death of my father and my gangster sister's health crisis and all of us getting COVID and we didn't die. I am here as a testimony to the survival and thriving. No excuses and no patience for pity parties. I'm gonna be talking about how to glow up as a podcaster or not. Good black news and words of encouragement and shade if you stupid. What I'm reading, the Dallas Cowboys and other things, football and sports, pop culture news, donkeys donking and side eye shenanigans. I like the part of the podcast where I talked about over 40 dating and other relationship issues. Quark's bar dedicated to podcasts, reality TV recaps. Join me as I fuss and have a moment as I kick and stomp my way through the next iteration of my life. Join me for this rocking good time. And thank you for listening. My glow up, my glow up for real. I really like starting um, this part of the podcast as I tiptoe through this thing called life, but not really tiptoe. I'm kind of uh, kicking down doors and making opportunities for myself. Um, well on my way, 97,000 downloads as of this very uh, broody and rainy and cloudy Sunday afternoon. I'm definitely closer to the 100K. I wish I could have hit that mark by the end of 22, but savvy editing and I think consistent, interesting topics have pushed me well over that mark. And it's just a blessing, I think, to be able to share with the listening audience what I'm into and people are digging it. I'm actually on iTunes as we speak, and it says I got several five-star reviews through iTunes, basically from Carlos Dean, thank you for making my world better, Um, Jennifer Foreman, 859, love this podcast, it's definitely one of my favorites, got a bunch of hearts, William Marsh, listening to this podcast is a great way to start the day, Susan Moore, the best motivational podcast ever. Keep inspiring us. Emilio B. Young, 598. Amazing. Motivated me to change my life. I'm glad I heard this. So it looks like people consider my podcast to be motivational, and I never thought that. Maybe because I do this as currently, I'm hoping to change my, as I said, uh, what I'm doing to expand the podcast, but a lot of people seem to be motivated by what I'm doing, what I'm reading, what I'm saying. My take on life is motivational to people. Who knew that me sitting uh, recording um, in my dining room would actually get this? And why not? I mean, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. I think me having the strength and the motivation to continue to podcast in spite of 
there is a broad field for people to listen to, but I'm putting out a product that people actually keep coming back and wanting to partake in. And with all the negativity that's in the world, I think by being motivational without being too preachy and browbeating is a wonderful thing. And I'm always looking for ways to make it better. I want to be able to have time to be able to read more interesting things. I want to um, get ideas from other podcasters, but I have again, I have to have the time to be able to do that. Although sometimes it's really annoying to actually have to do adulting and work a day job at this time, I've still afforded the opportunity to be able to go to PodFest. Podbeam has actually hosted my podcast since I actually started. And I actually met with someone in their creative department. You know, I said I was going to shout her out and I will. Ronnie Gosh, uh, R-O-N-I-G-O-S-C-H. She is actually one of the customer success managers at Podbeam. I was offered a free ticket to the Expo, Podfest Expo. I took her up on her offer and um, I'm excited that I did. This is probably the first live event um, in a number of years from what I understand. We, We discover all the latest things in podcasting and new media. It unites podcasters, creators, and industry professionals who are passionate to get their messages out through audio and video. I don't think they've had a a live event. I think it was last year, but everybody had to take a break. Oh, there's actually even a podcaster association in Florida. But it makes sense because Florida, you need to. That's what I was saying about the playoffs. The uh, Bills are playing the Bengals today and it's snowing like a mug wherever they are. And there's no sense for playoffs to be played out of places like Miami or um, Dallas, where there's a retractable roof um, that could keep the rain off the field, could keep snow and ice. There's no need for ice bowl. That's ridiculous to me. However, this particular event is for people like me that are interested in learning, connecting, and growing the podcast. For someone that doesn't like people, it's going to be very interesting to me because a lot of what this do, it requires networking and talking to other like-minded individuals. Granted, I'm older than probably most of these people, but I'm getting surprised that that maybe that's my perception. I have a feeling there are a lot of people like me that are looking for other means and having second and even third careers. And they're moving from podcasting from radio or vice versa. Getting set up on the app itself is very functional. I've actually started putting together not only these meetups, but also um, answering messages and um, other networking opportunities. Um, They have all these prizes where they're trying to spark or foster interaction. I find it interesting. I mean, I have not been to a festival, really have not been out Besides going back and forth to Virginia, I haven't gone to a real conference in a number of years. So with the epidemic, et cetera, I'm excited about not really risking it, but at least putting my toe out there. 
the arrangements of getting down there, I'm getting back to something that I've wanted to do for a while. And I've had the opportunity to start RVing again. But you know, I'm Bucci Fi Bougie. I'm actually gonna be at the KOA or Good Sam camping. And I'm gonna be camping with my little dog. If, I mean, if she actually has to sit in my lap the whole way, at least we could take the house with us. I have recently purchased um, or, you know, arranged to finance a 2016 Thor coach, and I'm excited about it. Um, there was a hiccup with the original coach that I was actually supposed to get, but it worked out that I got one same age with less mileage, but better interior. And podcasting on the road and talking about, oh, I need to look for that too. I can portend or foresee my podcast being a combination of video content as well as not just audio content. So that's exciting. And that more of that, the preparation and for that to come, interact with my surroundings, being out there but not really being out there because I think having access to people and getting interesting guests on the show is also a way to increase and enhance uh, audience participation and viewer participation. And it makes the show attractive um, because nobody's going to want to sponsor a show that nobody's listening to. That makes absolutely no sense. I think I'm actually interested in there is a virtual networking happy hour at five o'clock tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be signing in online and seeing about what the people have to offer. I think it's just going to be a good experience all around. Um, and I basically said, besides my talk space therapy session, you know, I have, oh, I'm going to have to rebook that. Um, hopefully to a little bit later on that day because I need to, I have a session that basically starts um, at 1.15. I mean, need to make a note to change that. Also, as far as legitimizing or making my show as legit and as productive as possible, I'm actually coming, I need, I hired or went through the process of hiring an uh, production manager or producer for the show. I have the second round of interviews tomorrow, and this particular individual seems very promising to me, and I'm excited to, to speak with him. Also, I have another interview uh, for um, Wednesday before I get on the road. If I could get it all set up, I'll probably be doing my first postcards or um, observations from the edge from the Jennings KOA um, in Tipton, um, Tifton, Florida. It's right in between my house and um, the Renaissance in Orlando. And I thought that would be a great place for me to stop. So there's a whole bunch of activity that's going to be going on with your girl this week. And I'm excited about basically sharing it with you. And I just realized it's been, oh, I haven't lived in my RV since 2018. So I'm coming up on five years that I haven't been on the road like that camping. Um, so this is going to be an interesting and adjustment for me in my bougie-fied ways. I made a promise when I came back from Oregon that time that I was not going to live. I was not made for tiny living and my big ass didn't want to live in a 24, 26 foot space. 
However, that was when I was in a 30-year-old, leaky, smelly RV. This one, a little bit, lots younger. It's only seven years old. Um, I got my little dog with me, and I'm just ready for the adventure. More to come. Why taps? Because Dallas sucks. I mean, come on. Who thought that they were really going to win that game? I know I was hopeful as I danced with my dog in our Dallas Cowboys gear as I looked at the stats and looked at the trades. I was confident that Mayer was going to act right. That's the stupid kicker that missed all those kicks last game. I was confident that Dak Prescott was going to make a way out of no way. I was confident that Lamb or Ezekiel Elliott were going to pull a hat out, uh, a rabbit out of their hat. Because didn't we beat them before? I'm just saying, I'm so tired of the Cowboys choking. I don't know what to do. Even though I kind of knew that they were going to choke, I was hopeful that this was going to be our year, that we were going to make it to the next round of the playoffs, and it was going to be us and somebody else in the Super Bowl. But God damn it, if they just didn't blow this shit up. And then I'm sitting here watching the recap, because you know I didn't watch the, this entire game. My blood pressure cannot tolerate watching a, a Dallas Cowboy game in its entirety. Because I would have been rolling my eyes, yelling at the TV, yelling at the bad calls. Like my friend Cheryl said, we need a better two-minute drill. Girl, I just could not. I just was so over it. I, me and Ethel watched kickoff, and evidently it was downhill from there. Dallas remained scoreless basically through um, the second quarter. And then they had, it looks like, what is this, field goal, field goal. And the uh, San Francisco looks like they had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, uh, maybe a two-point conversion, and they got the extra point. Either way, these fools could not hand the 49ers their last loss of the season on the road. It seems like we have lived up to our, how can I say this? We lived up to our, uh, uh, the badness about not being a consistent on the road team because they flubbed this one. But let me look at this game recap and see if I got anything else to say. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Look at the throw and even with Tony Romo, I just can't. Ozikizua. I like his name though. This is through the first quarter. I'm going to fast forward because he's the other 88. Um, CD or CB Lamb. And they had the three point. I'm going to fast forward through this because I'm wondering what exactly happened in the fourth quarter. I think I caught a little bit of this. I see this return. Turpin, 
if he had just a little bit more smoke, I think he could have really, really could have taken it all the way, and that would have ended the game, but it just wasn't meant to be. And there was a lot of other smoke um, this past weekend. Um, Kansas, the Chiefs are on a tear, and they're also the reason why I know that I am not going to watch the Super Bowl because it was just too fucking boring. Um, the Chiefs barely won that game. I forgot this. They won by a touchdown um, against the Jaguars. And then the Jet, not the Jets, but the Giants. Who did the Giants play again? The Giants also got beat like they stole something. The Giants played the Screegles. Oh, my God. They got beat so bad, I almost felt bad for them. They beat the Vikings in the wild card round and then came back on the 21st and got stomped in the ground by the Screegles. And that would have been great because if we could have played the Screegles, you know, I think we would have, I don't know we would have beat them. I think we beat them in regular season. But it's just one of those types of games that you know. Okay, so you know we're going to lose. And we did. And it's all good. And it's wild that I have not watched a game from beginning to end this entire season because I think I'm a jinx. But what I did do today is participate. I showed up all late to the (laughs) virtual cocktail hour for PopFest because I've been talking about that on and off through this entire show. Had very good conversations with several other podcasters, any podcasters that are going to be coming through. One it, who is in New Jersey, big ups to her. She's not, she's going to be joining virtually, but I'm interested in um, speaking to Jean Marie. Um, I didn't tell, wasn't able to tell her this, but we actually have the same middle name, but I think she's going to be a cracking good time. And I think her and maybe her other host, co-host would be a, a welcome addition um, to Tim Fro is reading just one of her discussion lines. She just seems to be a big ball of energy. I wish her and it's, I think her name is Avon both actually have the type of energy that I wish the Cowboys could have persisted throughout the game. And I honestly think that last push, we could have won the game by a point, could have beat the naysayers and entered the Super Bowl or at least won our division for the first time since 19 freaking 95. That would have been dope, but it wasn't meant to be. And as a good fan would always say, even though we suck today, at least there's always next year. There's always room for growth. There's always room to make a good trade and put together a squad that's going to take us all the way to the Super Bowl. I'm hopeful. I hope you're hopeful. And we'll get there. The Shady Bunch, the Shady Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. So I know people in general or the listeners of my podcast hate it when I don't post for a number of weeks. And this is going on. This is the longest in a long time that I haven't posted. But the last couple of weeks has been uh, one for the records. I took it upon myself to purchase a new RV. 
I still have to figure out how I'm going to dispose of my 30-year-old one. So I'll probably be making an unscheduled trip to South Carolina to take care of it. It's kind of cool that I can just thought about that. I can actually camp in pirate land, meet whoever is going to be taking it and junking it for me. Um, In pirate land, I can probably um, get a slip like right on the water, which would be kind of dope. Let me think through that. I'm going to probably be in Virginia and the North Carolina, South Carolina area for a minute. And just taking care of those few things is going to be what I am going to um, need to take care of. I also am going to need to figure out the tax situation through Horry County, because evidently, since it's been parked down there for two years, they will char- start charging you state taxes, which is uh, or local taxes, which I think is a ripoff because I haven't been in that bitch in two years. So that's neither here nor there. But as this part of the episode is called The Shady Bunch, I know that my listeners hate when I don't, as I was saying, don't like it when I don't post for a while because it just gives me fodder and I keep adding stuff on to the podcast or adding things to talk about to the podcast. And I have been binge watching, it seems like, at least the reunion specials. Oh, what's his name? Um, Juan Dixon. The latest is this saga on Juan Dixon. Um, if for those of you that watch uh, The Real Housewives of Potomac, Juan Dixon was the platonic, somewhat roommate of Juan Robin Dixon. Robin Dixon is a recurring character on um, The Real Housewives of Potomac. And I call her a character. Because, number one, I don't think she's a good actress, but it is obvious that none of these women. Ooh, I'm going to have to take some time to get this together because there's a lot more in the news and I want to basically run it down and do it justice. But I say all of this to say is I don't believe at all that the these so-called reality shows are so far from reality. We have been following a false narrative or a false storyline this entire season. And it seems like there are some people that, um, Carlos King, that seem to be completely offended that this false narrative has been propagated by the cast and producers of the Real Housewife um, franchise. But those of us, we're not crazy. We know that this so-called reality show is not reality. And I'm not going to get bent out of shape when I come to find out that the cheating scandals and cheating, allegations of cheating and all these false narratives, because we see the video receipts are, are not valid. Because I was watching, I just got into, what is it? Monique Samuels started with the Housewife series in season two. Her and Giselle had beef. Then come to find out Giselle had stopped dating and was only friends with somebody, Kevin. And his much little much can face self. But she was dating the ex-husband of somebody was that she knew from Potomac, Sherman. 
And then Candy, Candace actually joined in season three. But there's been narratives where Karen was holding out on her real story and her lack of knowledge of race shenanigans. We have known for years about Juan has been accused multiple times of cheating. The girl that came, um, Ashley's friend that came in and and she and her messy ass was talking about Juan um, going with somebody. There's always been that narrative. So why are we tripping now that not only have we found out that he was cheating, Robin knew about it, was waiting for somebody else to break it, but she kept denying it the whole time. Um, And she kept pumping up the false narrative of Chris Bassett being a creep when we had Michael um, Darby, who was the ultimate creep. I don't believe any of it. If matter of fact, I just watched it play out because I see it as the drama lies that it is. I don't think even that fight between Sharice and Karen was real. Um, I don't think Ashley is getting married. Robin finally got married, but then admitted on her reasonably tacky, and I did steal that from Kid Fury from the read, and also big shout out on he and Crystal's nomination for Image NAACP Image Award. I think that's great. But she said that they didn't get married not too long after um, he they got engaged because of he was cheating on her during the pandemic because he needed so much attention by some Instagram trick. However, she's always said that, well, we're not together, but we live in the same house. And he's actually a boarder in her house because his credit was so bad, couldn't even get put on the deed of their current house that they just built. I don't think we should clown people as the demise of their relationship, but I don't understand their relationship. And it's not really for me to understand, except for they put it all over TV. I think Karen has is a caricature of herself from the beginning. The only person that truly lives in Potomac is Monique Samuels. And she joined it so wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. But if anybody, she is new money, but it only appears to be the most stable money because Karen trying to escape Ray's financial malfeasance. She continued to go on. She's like, oh, Karen is just fine. I got the healing name. I gave him the two kids and now I can do what I want to do. And, and Ray looked like he had a stroke. He looks very confused and he just goes with it. She keeps gaslighting these girls, but she went from supposed owning her own home in Potomac to renting a trashy, uh, over-cold house in Great Falls. And then she comes back to a rental in Potomac again. Monique Purchase, her and Chris are still rolling, but because of the fight with Candace got kicked off and she was the only one that was consistently interesting out of all of those girls, even though she was kind of flaky and weird with the essential oils and all of her talk, 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 talk. And, but I think we could have saw more and it would have developed into more, even though I think her podcast, because I see the white girls doing it, uh, with more naturalistic approach to, uh, childbearing mother issues. I could see her not for lazy moms, um, increasing to a network 
if it hadn't already, if she had been allowed to remain on the Real Housewives of Potomac franchise or some other thing. However, what I did not understand is they kicked her off the show. Then the next couple of seasons with Mia um, attacking Wendy and then a lot of the verbal assaults and then Robin standing up and having to be truly had to be restrained by um, uh, Robin and the fights that went on in Real Housewives of Dallas and those people and even in Salt Lake City. So why did Monique have to get off? They had completely you had verbal racist barrage and harangue by that girl um, that uh, saying about calling the girl Mex, I don't speak Mexican, and she knew it was wrong, and she was a complete sociopath. But she remained on that show for four seasons, and the whole chicken feet debacle, and it really, really, truly didn't get good until the girl from Mexico, Anna, and oh, what was her name, Tiffany Moon, arrived on it, and then they hadn't come back since 2021. So. And then it got still that whole on Salt Lake City, the dark cloud has lifted since Jen got um, not only was she charged, but she also uh, got sentenced to six and a half years for widespread Ponzi scheme. And it was already boring. The only interesting thing is when Jen Shaw was clowning them and posting up because she was crazy. I don't know, y'all. I just. The whole issue with this not reality TV is you can't get too invested and get angry when you find out that these fools are only they're either doing only the highlight reels of their life or they are doing some type of convoluted line in order to get screen time. Because production has proven over and over again, you're only going to get time um, on screen if you, in fact, give us something worthy to be screened. Um, So any regular, regular, real life stuff, you're not going to get screen time. It's only when you're going to be up in some mess. Wendy, she's beautiful, but she's completely stressed out. They're not going to follow her for her rants and her orations about politics, etc. So they're not going to follow her to her classroom. They're not going to follow her to her commentary on MSNBC because it's too regular, regular, and it's not the drama-filled, um, high-potency, messy narrative that we are used to seeing from this not-reality show because that's not going to get you screen time. So this, the politics and the look make you make you look bad, et cetera, et cetera. Why do a reality show when that is not the theme of the reality show is messiness and drama. They don't want you to act right because you're not going to get the screen time and nor are they going to keep you on the show and you're going to become a friend of the show if you don't give them the mess. So for them to have gone so hard after Monique and she left, but she gave the soul some realness and some flavor and she was gorgeous. Why did y'all go so hard and y'all turned your back on her, but you could should have had her strength or learned from her and she should have stayed on that show because now we got uh, Robin posting up on people. You got um, Giselle saying, if you keep running your mouth, running your mouth, and if me had tagged you like 
Monique did is just because she had to go because she was the only real. She was the only one that lived in Potomac, only one that owned the house in Potomac. Well, her her husband did and truly a housewife. And they couldn't have that. But there may have been some things behind the screen because I think the only reason why that other lady and all of her racist rants stayed on for four years is because um, she did have a good working relationship with production. Monique could have been a bear behind the screens and was even crazier. And she basically probably went off on them and said, I made the show, blah, blah, blah. And they let her go because they keep letting, uh, what's her name? The coach, ex-coach's wife. It'll probably come to me later. But she came back. They keep letting Giselle come back. And the only reason why now Robin, if she confuses, but they kept letting her come back and Karen and all of her lies are coming back. There must have been something behind the scenes or she basically said, I can't um, be a part of this anymore because of my health or because of something else. Or she may have wanted to sue all of them and they just couldn't work it out. But I've seen other people act a lot worse. I mean, shoot, Jen Shaw was indicted. She still made the whole third season uh, right up into the reunion. So. There's something that went on um, behind the scenes that caused her not to actually come back. But she, I wish she would because of the flavor given to the series when she was a part of the show. Because it does none of thing what they say have surprises me. Juan was a cheater, always a cheater. He tried to defend why he cheated. He says he's not the same person, but he wasn't the only one in the marriage. Um, and it wasn't always on him, but he was the only one that decided to step outside of his marriage. And I don't see, I don't, one, I don't think he's all that cute. Number two, I don't think he is, she has some connection with them probably more than those kids, but she's definitely more interesting when he does come around. But other than that, she just basically, she's beige. She, um, this is Robin Dixon. She basically is happy with fading into the background. But this mess that's coming up with him, I don't know how for how long he's going to be head coach at Coppin State because this, the allegations of sexual harassment seem pretty big. And in the next part of that segment, I plan on not only talking about the case, but the details that I saw about the online charges and what is alleged. And I'm going to get the information truly from the actual open court case. And if there are any foundation for and proof of sexual harassment, he may not be long for the job as head coach, as well as he may not be long. Um, that means she, even though she won't talk about it, because this is probably the most real storyline that Robin has had throughout her uh, spate on the show. But she says she won't, she's going to stop filming, but she needs that check for real, for real. And I think her contingency of being host and getting paid and being a part of the black network for her podcast is the only reason because of her participation on the show is the only reason why she and J- Giselle on that podcast. Now that Giselle's um, company has gone belly up, they both need that check. So she not need to stop tripping and get your bag, girl. Don't leave that money on this table, even though because you can't just say up and say, I don't want to, now I don't want to really tell the truth when you got the most interesting storyline. And I know Juan is not going to want to talk about it because he didn't want to be filmed. He, we've been saying that since the second season of the damn show. So there you go. But she 
needs to be really, really careful, or both of them need to be really careful because the charges against him seem to be very serious. But I don't know how unfounded or founded they are, but we'll see. We'll see. And also, um, join me in the next segment as I dissect the charges against him. Juan Dixon. The lies told, the lies you tell, girl. Look, this case against Juan Dixon, I know it broke November of 2022. Here we are, February of 2023, and I'm just talking about it. But the blogs have done a pretty amazing job dissecting and gossiping about it uh, and have just raped Robin Dixon over the coals. And we haven't even fully wrapped. I think the reunion episode is either this week or next week. But from whatever the dumpster fire is of the life that she has or they have been living, we all know it's lies. And in the words of Kenny's uh, Dillard Bassett, not today, neck, not today, ankles, not today, Satan. We're still not going to continue to propagate lies. It is complete and full knowledge that Chris Bassett never cheated. He has never been inappropriate with any member of that cast. Sometimes he's kind of reckless in the mouth when he speaks to Candace and but she's just as reckless when she speaks to him her mother is dot is known for being reckless at the mouth but that's neither here nor there the story that broke in November of 22 has to do with a former player from the Coppin State basketball team I didn't realize that Juan Dixon uh, got his position as head basketball coach there in 2018-2019, and they paid him a grip. And he recruited Eben, I think that's how you pronounce the boy name, or unless it stands for something else, Williams, and is promising his family that he would be in a drug-free, safe environment to basically play basketball, and his room and board and all of his fees would be paid through the school. But shortly after he arrived just to play basketball, he became the unrequited love interest of one Lucian, what's Lucian's last name? Brownlee. This is because there is a criminal court case in Baltimore City, case number 24C2200-4662. There are five counts that reads as follows. Negligence, negligent hiring and intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligent infliction of emotional distress, because intentional and negligent infliction evidently are two separate offenses, as well as breach of contract for this. Shortly after arriving in 2019, the plaintiff, Williams, was engaged in an online relationship with whom he thought was a female. Evidently, he was being catfished by the director, this is classic abuse behavior, Lucian Brownlee, who said he was the victim of sending explicit sexual images to the same account. And then, but it ended up being that Brownlee was the catfisher. He would continue to send himself more uh, sexually explicit images 
but then it escalated after he made his issues known to this coach Brownlee that after he revealed that that's when the catfisher who was masquerading as Brownlee the cat the Brownlee was masquerading as the catfisher said now you have to send me uh sexually explicit images of you having sex with Brownlee which he continued to refuse but the then the indications and he just hyped it up hyped it up and kept you know as more escalating more threatening June 2022 Williams met with his father and with Juan Dixon, um, Robin's roommate, and it only really admitted to drug use and he wanted to enter the transfer portal. Juan basically said, you know, I'm sorry, drug use is inevitable with these ball players, but if we continue to pay for your fees, etc., please stay and play for the team. So they exited the transfer. Pandemic hits. They go out on break, return fall of 22, then Lucian renews his attacks. And because he never responded, Williams never responded to his renewed love interest, Brownlee leaked all of the information and photos. Juan, of course, saw all of this, but still told uh, Williams to come to practice. And then he basically met with him afterwards and said, you know, we knew he was mentally ill. He's been wilding for a minute, but he never reported his this knowledge um, to basketball operations. Strike one. And he also failed to report the drug free environment. That's strike two, because that goes, I think that violates not only the school guidelines, but also the NCAA guidelines. And they knew that fool was crazy and they still he still had a job. That's what I didn't understand. He was still allowed to attack another day. That is when they said they already knew about it, but did nothing. So that's when uh, Williams and his father went to the school and said, please conduct another investigation because we're getting nowhere with the basketball team. They also then they hire a lawyer who basically treats him like a bald head stepchild, again, violating their own guidelines when they conduct this internal investigation. They violated, again, the school, Juan, the entire team and athletic department basically failed to protect this kid. So every last count, I think. They haven't I haven't heard anything in the blogs or on the news yet that he's been fired. But there's been a dereliction of duty from the coach, from the instance when Lucien decided to harass this young man and the failure to report when they actually went to Juan and they handled this absolutely poorly. I don't think you can have a uh, narcissistic athlete like Juan Dixon that it seems like he's proven time and time again that he is completely incapable of supporting anybody, including his own ex-wife. Now she remarried his dumb ass um, outside of himself if it doesn't benefit himself because he should, if he had acted when this first came to light um, and basically gotten rid of Lucien instead of trying to protect the program and whatever mission and everything that he had in place, 
this would have been done a lot different. And we wouldn't have had gotten to criminal court, circuit court, Baltimore City, if he had just done the right thing. Because if he could have looked beyond himself and actually know what it is to protect your athletes, he seems to be missing something as far as empathy and as far as integrity to be able to look beyond what his goals are to protect everybody that makes him look good. He's not even the athlete. He's not even the one that's doing the heavy lifting. He's only the freaking coach. This boggles my mind. And he has two sons. Would he have allowed anybody to do this to his, his own kids? I wonder because he doesn't seem to have an integrity code. Some that part of his personality and his demeanor is missing and I don't and I think that's why he doesn't want to be filmed because people that have that like honor intact they would read through that and they he would definitely be seen as truly being I think Juan is unfit to have a head coach because you have to have the mentality not only not by demand of being mean or being coy or being manipulative to get your players to basically uh, follow you and to be able to play to the best of their ability, but you don't do that by ignoring everything and you don't actually help not being able to help them. He doesn't have an empathy gene. It seems to be missing. And people like this don't need to be in relationships and don't really need to have positions of power because they are corrupted absolutely when they have absolute power. In case in point, this failure to protect this young man from the predatory actions of his own coaching staff is a clear indication that he's not capable of having his job. So several things seem like they're going to need to happen. There's going to be an entire shakeup of the entire basketball program at Coppin State, and it's going to need to be rebuilding from the coach and all of the accessory um, and assistance down. There's going to be need to be a widespread firing, and they're also going to need to cut the check because what they put this young man through for the entirety of his short career with this state basketball team is unfair, it's unimaginable, and they need to be on the hook and made need to pay for what has been done to him. In the words of Demetri L. Lucas, just go ahead, cut the check, y'all, and stop playing with this young man's um, emotions and his mental health. And Juan Dixon... This is um, reality TV storyline fodder because there's an open investigation. She's they're probably going to claim like Karen um, that she can't talk about it or won't talk about it. She don't have to talk about it. But these are some serious allegations. And this is probably this would be an interesting storyline. But I know Robin's not going to she's going to spin and continue to do some false narrative because it's more interesting. This would be more interesting in the follow up of this. And as I get information, I'll probably put it into my later shows. But this whole catfishing gone left and he was catfished by a, the coaching staff. Y'all need to compensate. Maryland, state of Maryland, if they are under, if it's a state school, y'all gonna need to cut the check. And there's gonna be many, many zeros behind that one. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
And that's it for this episode of 10 Fro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.